You're listening to Fireman Trainers Podcast Season 4, Episode 17, published on December 27th, 2022. This episode, we'll be talking to Tony Simon from Simon Says Train about instructing in New Jersey. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Sit back, relax, and listen to our last episode of 2022. This episode is also brought to you by friends at the FTA, the Fireman Trainers Association. Visit their website, ftaprotect.com, to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. All certified instructors can apply for FTA coverage. And remember, listeners to this podcast get 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by the LSR Classic Trainer. I use the LSR Classic system in my classroom because it allows me to teach first-time gun owners proper side alignment proper drawing from a holster, and trigger control without stepping on the range, saving me time and the student money by not firing rounds down range. When the student is ready, they know what to do because of the classroom training. LSR Classic is easy to set up and tear down because all you need is a laptop with a webcam to use it. That allows you to set up anywhere you can take your laptop. The application also works with any laser device from laser cartridges you put in your firearm to dedicate laser trainers. LSR is veteran-owned and operated. Find out more information at LASRapp.com and receive a special 10% discount by using discount code FTP10 at checkout. We bring this podcast support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Tony Simon from Second is for Everyone. Welcome, Tony, back to the podcast, and thanks for taking some more time out to share your experience with our audience. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, Glad to be here. Good. Well, hey, for those that did not catch you in the first time you were on the podcast, can you give our listeners a little bit about your background, what you do in the uh, 2A community? All right. My name is Tony Simon. I host something called the Second is for Everyone Diversity Shoot, and I also uh, am a podcaster for the Second is for Everyone podcast. See how they tied those two in together. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I do that. Now, what that is, is um, I put on events to invite all people, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, religion, background, favorite color, favorite NFL team, whatever. Um, and I try to get everyone together, introducing the Second Amendment advocacy groups, um, introducing the firearm safety and uh, tell them how they can get in a fight. And then we go to the range, shoot guns after we have some pizza and play some games and win some prizes. So I try to turn it into a fun uh, event from about six to nine um, at a range, at a local range, and just introduce people to firearms, not only new people, but regular firearms owners that maybe don't get out and, you know, fellowship with other people, you know, give you an excuse to come out, um, have my volunteers bring out their cool guns. And that way you can shoot something you've never shot before, because a lot of people on the impression it's only new shooters. But I'm trying to get all people out because we need more gun owners actually being politically active. So this is one way to get them out and introduce them to Second Amendment advocacy groups and uh, the Second Amendment advocates in their area. So that's what I do. I'm also a firearms trainer. Um, I've been doing that since 2012. And I'm a co-host on a couple of more podcasts, one with the Firearms Radio Network called the Gun and Gear Review Podcast, and another one with the Self-Defense Radio Network called Self-Defense Gun Stories. So I'm out there a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Very cool. Very cool. And the uh, diversity shoot is definitely uh, a unique one that's out there and something that uh, 
helps the 2A community all the way around. But hey, before we talk about that, can you give us a little bit about what your journey's been to uh, get around to become a firearm instructor? What 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 made you want to go along and take those classes and um, keep you in the training training area for many years? It was funny because I uh, never thought about being a firearms instructor um, at all. Been a gun guy, was a gun kid, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, watched, read every magazine, uh, comic book, everything. Just love firearms. Uh, just the idea of shooting them, bang, bang, have fun. Joined the Marine Corps, uh, got out the Corps, moved to Jersey, and decided I want to take up firearms again. Um, and discovered it's a pain in the butt here uh, to get all of your permits and everything. Finally did it and went to the range and shot horribly. You know, thinking I was a Marine, I'm a guy, I know what I'm doing, picked up a 1022, went out there and just sucked when. And uh, my friend, Sean Fisher from Black Bag Resources, uh, he just became an NRA instructor through Gun for Hire Range in Woodland Park, which is a really large range here in Jersey. But also, uh, once they finish, it's going to be the largest indoor range in America. Um, they just had new additions, multiple additions put on. So I uh, went to his training and was able to pretty much get that group down to the size of a quarter. <laughs> so I was like, this is an awesome feeling. I want to give other people this feeling. So I took all of my classes, rifle, pistol, shotgun instructor, uh, range safety officer, and uh, decided to start training people. And that's how I got into it. And because... I had no intention of being the tactical Timmy training those classes. I decided to take those classes so I can give people good advice on it. Um, and also to tell them what they're missing and maybe do a little intro to that when they come to my basic class. Cause I think it's really important. You teach the fundamentals of safety and the fundamentals of marksmanship. And then you can let them know what they don't know about the rest of it, if they're interested. So that's how I got into training. And that's kind of my viewpoint. Teach the basics, the fundamentals, and then let people know everything else is the fundamentals just done quicker. And how long ago was that, that you started getting into instruction, Tony? I started, I became an instructor in 2012. Okay. So you've been doing it for about 10 years now. Yeah. So that's great. Well, here, here's something that's been very unique with the instructors that we've had on. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to train in new jersey i mean we we all hear about some of the draconian laws that they have in new jersey but how does that translate into you do, tr doing training classes all right training is training is in the instruction part that's the same but the student is different i feel uh and then the reason i feel the student is different is because what they had to go through to get to you um, a lot of people depends on where you come from. Uh, I'm originally from Virginia, so we have a totally different attitudes to firearms and firearms ownership. But when you come to a place where firearms ownership is pretty much verboten, uh, and why would you own a gun? And just the negativity associated with firearms ownership. When you finally get a student, that person had to pretty much go against the social norm in their social circle. That means their parents, the spouse. Uh, their friends and their coworkers to get there. So you might, you might want to talk to them because they have some uh, just horrible ideas of what gun ownership is like or, or what they're legally allowed to do. And, and you got to talk them through that stuff 
And sometimes we have people that have never owned a gun, but they want to take training just to know it. And then when you have to describe the process to them, what they have to go through. So all that's important to let your students know and understand that it's just not somebody that just popped in and might not be interested in it. They had to go through a lot to get there. And if they bring their own gun, they had to go through a heck of a lot. Uh, they had to go through background checks. They had to pay fees. They had to go and wait supposedly 30 days, but depends on the PD. It could be up to a year to get your background check Whoa. done. And, and is violating the law. Yeah, they have 30 days legally. And it used to be a point of braggadocia uh, with some cities of how long they took. Uh, Jersey City's mayor used to brag it takes over a year. He was proud of that. Even though it was violating Jersey law, there's nothing we can do about it. So that's what you're dealing with as a student, somebody that went through some crap to get into your class, a lot of crap sometimes. And so then you teach them just like a normal class. And then you try to stress the importance to them if they're going to use it as a defensive firearm. They need to actually know self-defense law and deadly force law in the state. We had classes for that too. And now that I'm a U.S. law shield uh I guess, uh, sponsor. Uh, I try to get into those free classes too, or it's, I think it's $20 if you're not, but it's really important that you know what deadly force law is here, because if you come from somewhere else or you listen to gun store lore, uh, you can end up in prison. So we, we really try to stress that in our classes. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, there's, uh, I, th I think in every state, you know, there's that gun store lore, but at the same time, it probably becomes even more important in New Jersey because uh, let me ask you a question. How does um, I've heard hollow points are illegal in New Jersey. Um, how does that work out? I mean, because obviously we recommend hollow points, not because they kill people, but because they're the best to prevent pass through best that you don't hit un unintended objects on the other side of them and things like that. How do you handle that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hilarious in a, that's messed up kind of way um, that somehow gun store Laura has made it into legislation. Like somehow, you know, ball drops a ball is somehow like supposedly a self-defense thing. And it's like, no, that's not it. What? Okay. <clears throat> One, it is not illegal. Hollow points are not illegal in New Jersey to own, but to get them from the store to your house, you have to pull a somehow a magic act because they're illegal. Just, travel with it's 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 brah it's stupid it's dumb um you can have hollow points um but most people don't know that you can have hollow points in your self-defense firearm because obviously it makes sense but then you have to deal with prosecutors you have to deal with police that don't know um and it's ridiculous. So a lot of people don't understand it. So there are people that use things like Hornady. Um, wow. It all went blank. What do you call the Hornady? The critical defense and critical Thank duty. You. Okay. Critical defense and critical duty. Cause I'm like, Oh man, where's okay. I'm like, where's my ammo? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Critical defense, critical duty. And I think there's something called a bulldog round from another company. Um, those were the ones that pretty much they were selling here. Um, only because it got rid of that stigma because it's not a hollow point so that that was a great boon to new jersey when that, those came out because now you have hollow points that you can use more effective self-defense ammo you got a polymer insert uh in the tip of the tip of the uh, the bullet uh, that uh makes it legal okay yep 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 uh, shove a pencil eraser into the hole and everything's good 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, 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 that defeats the defeats a hollow point. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we deal with here. Um, it, it's the fact law enforcement doesn't know the the laws, and and individuals been told their whole life that you can't have hollow points, and only bad guys have hollow points, which is ridiculous because law enforcement uses them for a reason. Oh, and law enforcement is of course exempt from those rules. Of course. <laughs> Uh, uh, let me ask you this is there any recourse for you know you said some you know students if they try to purchase a firearm can take 30 days in order to get a permit for it but it can be over a year is there any recourse for those uh civilians to be able to go along do that because that just sounds i mean horribly long to have to wait just to purchase it before you even can take it to the range and do anything okay in anjrpc association new jersey rifle and pistol club owners uh PC, yeah, and rifle and pistol clubs uh, had a program, and what they wanted you to do is if they took over 30 days, contact them, and they'd send a letter uh, to your jurisdiction and uh, make them aware that they were breaking the law, and if they continued, they would get sued. And that helped out a lot um, because many of them, many of the jurisdictions wrote back, oh, we didn't know. (laughs) Because that, ignorance that's, of the that's law, nice for our law for law enforcement to say, hey, we didn't know what the law was. That's ignorance nice. of the law is only excusable when it comes from law enforcement. You can't get away with that. So that's what we've had to deal with. Um, I was just trying to pull up something really quick uh, because one of uh, the guys that follow me uh, was sending me what was going on with him and his state PD about them taking over 30 days to get his background check done. And it was like, so he finally actually sent them a letter and was like, Hey, uh, heard back from state police regarding my 60 day complaint. They don't give a crap. So he talked to a lawyer and they talked about working their way through how much it is, uh, to sue them and what else is involved. And it's like, it's just too much money to sue them, to do their job. And when they looked into it, the PD, it's uh, the the state police themselves. They were like, "Yeah, the professional standard detectives are super nice," but that was it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We shouldn't take more than sixty days. We investigated ourselves and we discovered we suck. Have a nice day. <laughs> and that was pretty much it. And the thing that always amazes me is when every talk about background checks is he can be pulled over on the side of the side of the road and they can you know pull you up on the computer immediately and see what your what your record is you know if you've got any warrants out for you and all all the serious stuff you can go in you know in free america and go into a gun shop and you can fill out a 4473 and you know probably within 30 minutes you'll be able to walk out you know if you don't have anything on your background preventing you with a new firearm but for some reason, there's states that go along and they say they need, you know, 30, 60, 90 plus days to go along and figure out if you're a good person or not. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> the, the, the 90, 60, excuse me, the 30 days was written back in late 60s when everything had to be done in paper, snail mail, mm-hmm. and they were still able to do it. But somehow now, when the FBI says the longest it would take when you contact them was four hours four hours the state is saying it takes longer and yeah new jersey uses the fbi uh to do the background checks so yeah it doesn't and and we all know what happens they wouldn't they had to sue 
<clears throat> Second Amendment groups actually had to sue the state police uh, to find out what their standards were and try to see the book and how they're supposed to handle things. And they wouldn't allow us to see it until we sued them multiple times. So, yeah, it's 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 dirt bags. Yeah. Um, A public agency that won't let the public see what they're doing you know that's that's a red flag right there for in my mind and when you go hey listen um i understand your firearms owner but when you go black back to blue back to blue when do you go maybe the blue should back you like what where does that happen just mm-hmm. doing your job when you know you're violating the constitution that doesn't make you a good cop Yep. And then a lot of uh, conservative gun owners, I guess, if you want to put a label on it, they want to back the blue all the time. And it's like, well, when do you hold them accountable for the things they do as individuals? Mm-hmm. Because they hold us accountable for things evil people do with the tool we happen to own. And I'm asking you, you know, the hell are you accountable for not doing your job to uphold the Constitution that you swore to? And you know it's unconstitutional, especially now at post Bruin. You, uh, New Jersey has the BS uh, uh, anti carry law. I'd like to call it that it was just in the Senate committee today. The enhanced carry law, yeah, yeah, just yeah. like New, and, just like New York did, yeah, yeah, because nothing in New York happens that they don't parrot in New Jersey because they're a bunch of empty headed clones, and and they will use the same wording, same excuses, same everything. And 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 this just attack our rights. So that's what's happening in the state. That's what we're fighting against. These are the conversations we try to have without throwing parties out there. But it's kind of impossible when you live in a state that's run by Democrats. And when I host my events, I point that out because that's actual fact. So when you say they're coming for your guns and you go, well, the Democratic Party has a part of the national platform of gun control. There's no arguing that. And when someone tries to move the goalposts, well, the Republicans, and I'm like, oh, the Republicans are in on it too. Because whenever the Republicans are in charge on a national level, they don't push uh, for us to get our rights back. They, they don't reverse things, you know, quickly. At all. They don't reverse things at all. I mean, the last thing they did was try to ban bump stocks when the Republicans were in charge. So, I mean, really, they didn't help at all when there was National Reciprocity and the Hearing Protection Act right there. Mm-hmm. And they didn't move on any of that. So, um, I often say don't trust any political party with your civil liberties at all and make them all earn your vote each and every election. Excuse mm-hmm. me. No. Make them earn your vote between each and every election. Yep. And be, and be that squeaky wheel for them. So they mm-hmm. know who you are and things like that, you know, send them letters, call them and show up for events because they will, uh, for, well, for good reasons, the people that go along and take the time, they know they're probably going to be the same people that are going to vote. So they will pay attention to those people that, um, you know, are contacting them on, a, on some basis, you know, yeah, we've done it before. We've talked about it. Um, and it's like, hey, um, they do a little math equation or whatever. They know what your phone call represents. They, they like give it an, uh, a number. Like if this per, this many people call that, uh, 
means this many constituents are concerned. Like like one person equals like three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this many people write a snail mail letter. This represents a lot of concern because they took the time to stick a stamp on something and drop it in the mailbox. So yeah, you contacting your representatives actually means something. And it means even more if you do it between tragedies. If you do it before something happens, going, hey, I'm, um, you know, I live in your district. And this is a very important thing to me. And I see this happening across the country. And I'd like you to stand for our Second Amendment rights and against this. And this is why. And I mean, it could be a short three, four sentence letter, but it's, hi, my name is this and I'm keeping an eye on you. And if you really want to be a, uh, I don't even know the word for it. Pain in the rear. Okay, there you go. (laughs) But uh, if you want to really hype yourself up, give yourself a name, get together with three or four friends and call yourself, you know, the Smith Street Patriots, the Smith da, 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 something. It only has to be a few of you, but all of a sudden you have a group name, little letterhead, and you just send out a letter to the representatives in your districts if it's if it covers more than one. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is a group. Because let's not act like mom's demand of da-da-da county is not more than three Karens with a letterhead. Mm -hmm. And they probably got paid and sent everything by the national organization. So you can grassroots advocacy actually means something. It means so much that there are billionaires out there coming up with AstroTurf uh, uh, advocacy groups. They're not real. When one guy is funding everything, it is not grassroots. Yep, that's for sure. Well, hey, Tony, can you tell us a little bit about, about your diversity shoot? I know, you know, on the intro you talked about, you know, you don't care, you know, what color they are, you know, what their orientations are, whether they're pink or blue or purple, that, you know, they're welcome at your diversity shoot. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got that started and right. uh, what your what your goals are for it, why you okay. keep going? Let's not let's not uh, insult anybody's intelligence that goes to the range because we all know there are people from every race, every background at the range. But again, when you come down to perspective, you don't know what they went through to get to that range. You walk into that place where most dudes are middle-aged white dudes um, who they've been told don't like them by every major news outlet (laughs) and all their social media. So what I wanted to start up and what I did start was it goes back to when I first became a firearm instructor in 2012. Um, They had the horrible shooting Sandy Hook. And right after I got my, (laughs) all of my paperwork together and I was on route to be the greatest firearms trainer in the universe, um, New Jersey had like 76 or 80 something bills put forth that they were going to do and ban everything. And, that got me ticked off and me and my partner uh, started writing letters. We wrote a letter. It took like hours to, to form it. And we wrote it and we put it out there and it was the first thing I ever had to go viral with over 15,000 shares. And it, it got out there in the community and it was a big deal. And that's when I started testifying and going to New Jersey assembly, testifying there, going to New Jersey Senate. And every time I went, there were very few minorities, if well, actually, there were none that were black uh, that went up and spoke pro 2A. And after the first one, I contacted all the groups that I'd already been working with and volunteering with and asked them if they have anything to actually motivate and, and guide minorities into Second Amendment advocacy. Like, hey, 
you guys need to come to this. And everybody said no. So we started it in 2015, February 2015 at Gun for Hire Range. I was like, okay, let's call it the African-American, uh, I think African-American maybe diversity shoot. I forgot what it was called. But that was the first one. And I was trying to motivate uh, people of color to come down and actually show up at the event. And people kept asking me, can white people come too? Yeah, okay, yeah, it was definitely called a diversity <laughs> shoot, but it was African-American diversity. I'm like, anybody can come. I'm trying to target these people this month to come down because it's Black History Month. Mm-hmm. And uh, four people showed up. So we started it, and my partner and I, and we started discussing the permitting process in New Jersey and things like that. And we weren't an hour into it when all of a sudden another uh, black man showed up, and uh, and that didn't recognize him. And I'm like, "Where are you from?" And he tried to BS. He actually lied twice, and I'm like, "I don't know who you're talking about." Oh well, I'm with the New Jersey State Police Firearms Division. <laughs> so my very first event the new jersey state police sent a cop in dressed in civilian clothes to see what was happening and since then we've had police officers from come in and they weren't upfront about it but you can tell who they were or who some of them were and it makes no difference because what we're doing is actually introducing all people to their Second Amendment rights at our events. So we welcome people to come in. We want you to bring everybody you know. We want you to bring the office people. And that's how it just works. People, first somebody comes, and usually it's like the bravest dude in their social circle that already owns a firearm, and they want to come and see what we're about. And we come in, and they shoot really cool guns. And uh, they see what we're talking about. And I leave all politics other than Second Amendment related firearms out of it. So it's only talking about gun stuff. No mega hats, no any other uh, abortion, no nothing. We're talking about guns, gun ownership, the legislation is passed, the racist history of gun control and how we need to stop it. And the fact that it affected more than just blacks. It was for Native Americans, it was for Asian Americans, it was for Irish Americans with the Sullivan Act. It was all designed to infringe upon people to keep them uh, at the mercy of the government itself or others that wanted to actually control them. So that's what we talk about at the events. We talk about how we can change it through legislation and activism. Uh, we introduce actual Second Amendment groups so you uh, you meet them instead of just sending a check to a national organization who you will never meet those people, but you will get phone calls all the time asking you whether you want to, uh, you know, become a life member. Mm-hmm. And then you find out the corruption in those organizations. It's like, yeah, those organizations on a national level, and they're not hap- helping you in your state because they look at Second Amendment advocacy, one, as a business, and two, they need to figure out which court cases will help them um, overall. Well, on a national basis. On a national basis. Yeah, meanwhile, not, not just in your state. Yeah. So you yeah. live in Ohio. You got to live with this law. If this national organization, I'm talking about the NRA, but it's others too. If these national organizations deem your case not that important. So it's important for you to be a part of your local Second Amendment group so you guys can fund your own cases. And then, because every time you get a win on the state level, all of a sudden, on the national level, organizations want to slide in and take credit for it like they they ran on it. Mm -hmm. And that's fine because a W is a W, a win's a win. But uh, you're going to have to support your own state 
organizations, and that's why we introduce people to them. This is the president, the vice president. This is the guy that started this organization. You can talk to him. You see he's not wearing $20,000 suits paid with your membership money. And these places have monthly meetings, so you can actually go to them because it's in your area. It might be a half hour, 40-minute uh, drive, but you can go to the meeting, not the annual meeting that's halfway across the country where your voice really won't be heard. I mean, think about it. Annual meeting has between 50 and 80,000 people for the NRA and less than 200 go to the members meeting. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's hard, it's hard to find anybody during, during, that me- during the annual meeting. Yeah. Oh, in, inside the annual meeting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. <laughs> so um, that's that's why we host the event. So you can meet these people face to face. We teach basic firearm safety. So you're safe. Uh, you have some basis of knowledge when you bring your other people. So again, that first person comes and they realize we're not a bunch of wackos. We're not trying to overthrow the government. We're not trying to do anything uh, uh dastardly and we're not even trying to turn you into a 2a advocate or sway you in one event but we are giving you information and if you pay attention and i tell you this and i tell people all the time you can ask questions here you can ask those why does anybody need an ar-15 and i'm not going to attack you we can actually have a conversation unlike online and you're talking to people and you're seeing they're normal people. You see they have mm-hmm. regular jobs. You see they didn't come in and they're not open carrying and wearing a, a, a mega hat and just, you know, whatever people think someone's going to intimidate them at. And then when you go out on the range and you shoot the AR-15, you shoot an AK, you shoot a, a SIG, you shoot something suppressed or, you know, and, and when we do these events in PA or something full auto. And he's like, yeah, this is suppressed because you see how loud it is in here? Yeah, with a suppressor on, it's not that loud. Mm-hmm. You know, when you first shouldered that rifle and you broke your hearing, uh, your seal on your hearing protection and it hurt your ear? Yeah, with a suppressor on, it won't, at least not that badly. And it's like, and you know the difference between a suppressor here and a suppressor across, uh, across the river in Jersey? About five years in jail. <laughs> I'm like, no one pat you down when you cross the border to make sure you didn't have this tool on you. So that's how ineffective laws would be if you wanted to break one. So we we have that discussion and we try to put logic out there and not logic over feelings, but just give you some logic and let you understand it. And then let's discuss your feelings. Cut, cut, through, all, cut through all the drama, you know, well, on what it does, you know, nine millimeters going to blow your lung out and things like that of actually, you know, demonstrating and letting them, you know, feel the difference between it. Feel the difference between it, see the difference between it. It's, it's all the things that you see in the discussions and the comment sections on your social media, but this is had face to face with people and it's not 30 guys beating up on one person. This is mm-hmm. a conversation. Uh, what we do is break it down in the relays. So we have some people stand inside the classroom, some on the range. We shift it around. So we have time to talk to you about why'd you come out? Are you having fun? Uh, what do you think about gun ownership? Uh, do you think about joining? So it's it's actual conversations, not just shooting and not just all conversation and preaching, but conversing. You mm-hmm. say, I ask you a question that actually listen to your answer. And then we talk about what you just said. I'm not giving you bumper sticker logic. I'm not reading some NRA talking points, but we're having a discussion. Mm-hmm. 
That, that is really good. Hey, Tony, with everything you've talked about, how can instructors get started with doing a diversity shoot in their area? All right. So my diversity shoot, I mean, is something that I really want to spread and work on, but there is no reason people can't have get togethers and do the exact same thing I'm doing, but you have to be careful um, because I've noticed here's what the don't do. Let's go over the don'ts because truly it's just a range day with people, but the don'ts is uh, don't preach. Don't talk about anything that's not two a, uh, get together with your second amendment groups in your area and have them there too. Because it's not just about you having fun and shooting guns. It's trying to introduce them to, to a advocacy. Cause that's what we want. We want to create advocates because we need to, and you need to invite people that are outside of your, you need to, you need to diversify the number of people showing up or the kind of people showing up. So you need blacks, whites, gays, lesbians, whatever bullcrap category they try to divide Americans into. You need them all there because we have to turn this thing into something apolitical. And that's the problem. So that's what we need to work at. So if you're going to do it in your area, you need to hook up with other people. You need to hook up with other groups. And then you need them to get to invite people. And you just have to be consistent with it. You have to set up a dates. You have to set up dates and just keep hitting it and keep hitting it and keep hitting it and making it grow. And it's not really a way to do it that I figured out yet. But if you figure it out, let me know to make money. <laughs> it's not a money making venture, the event itself, but it can turn into that for the range because it gets more butts and seats, makes people more aware of that range. It allows the range to showcase themselves, and that's how you get it to work. Um, you have to get the ranges involved, and they have to want to do it consistently. So if they have you know dollar bills floating in their head that you're going to get hundreds of people to show up, that's not happening the first time. It took years. It took years before we had so many people there. Actually, we had to start selling tickets to limit the amount of people we had to come in. So, so if you you had four people the first diversity shoot you had, how many do you uh, now uh, sell tickets to? Depends on the location. Gun for higher range, we max them out. We put it because of COVID restrictions. We were doing twenty people, which was pretty much easily achieved. Um, now we got up to thirty to forty people going to gun for hire. Some of the newer, smaller ranges, we have uh, 10, 15 people at a time, up to twenty five. So it's and this is every two weeks. Okay, and this is for what? Uh, how how long do you do you put this on at the range? We do this for three hours okay. at the range, and uh, we ha we try to hit different ranges uh, on a monthly basis, but do an event every two weeks. And yeah. we move around the state. So, again, it takes work. Um, having swag, having other stuff, giveaway items, that really helps a lot. But But you have to be consistent with it. And you have to have good volunteers that understand we're just introducing people to firearms. We're not giving a basic firearms instruction class. Mm -hmm. And the range has to also understand that you're not trying to steal their customers because that's something else they have to be aware of. Like, hey, I'm not trying to take your people. Um, matter of fact, you can have your instructors come in and be our volunteers. They can bring their cool guns from home or you can bring some rental guns from your wall. And, uh, you know, provide demo. So it, it gets a little expensive, but it's, it's hosting a range day and getting the ranges involved. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it sounds like a pretty simple formula. 
you, you don't do, you know, don't preach, you know, nothing outside of the 2A conversation. Make sure, you know, there's other 2A groups there to try to encourage them and then, um, you know, get the word out to the people and, you know, make sure you've got things lined up with uh, qualified instructions so that you can go through and do it, do it in different uh, waves, as you said, and use it. Do you normally do the entire range or, you know, like a whole, you know, eight or 10 uh, spots, or do you go along just to have a couple, a uh, couple lanes on the, the uh, we, we try uh, to get an area to ourselves only because you can't control who comes in the range. So when you have new shooters, but then you got that guy, you know, sighting in the 762 by 54 mm-hmm. at the range next to a new shooter, that's not really con- conducive to uh, a great range day for this person for the first time they're touching a the gun. So we try. And that helps out a lot. Um, but that's how we do it. I mean, truthfully, there's no secret formula. Just like there's no secret formula to shoot accurately. All you have to do is, you know, sight alignment, sight pitch, or trigger squeeze and follow through. You just have to do it every single time. <laughs> yeah, consistency. I think is the only, is the secret recipe. There is, you know, you're going to make mistakes each time. Learn from the mistakes. But if you do an event consistently, then you will have people that will be coming back. Um, and I've said that, you know, many times when it comes to uh, instructors, as far as planning classes and doing things like that, if you're, if your students don't know that you're going to be doing classes, you know, in a week, month, you know, six months down the road, then they're not going to be, they're not going to be coming back for those classes or asking about it. And I think the same thing goes along with diversity shoot and make sure that they know that, Hey, it's going to be every two weeks, but this week it's going to be here two weeks it'll be you know 30 miles away from here and you know two weeks after that it'll be 30 miles away from that so they can kind of pick and choose and probably say hey i i know you know my brother-in-law he lives up by there so maybe me and him will both go to the one in in uh four weeks something along those lines because they know that hey you know this is where they're going to be doing it at and you got to let people know ahead of time you got people and uh it's it's all it's about consistency and it's about making sure that Again, you're not trying to turn this person into a gun collector in a day. So take your time and understand that they're going to be people that you politically might not align with. Or, and this is something that annoys me, or their lifestyle you might not agree with, which is really annoying. But uh, it's like, yeah. So? They're human beings. They have a right to defend themselves mm-hmm. and, and their families. So just look at it like that and, and leave it. And if you don't agree politically, because I get a lot of that, especially in a democratic uh, state, uh, a state that the Democratic Party is well entrenched. I know a lot of people uh, that I talk to are Democrats. I'm not going to get them to change who they voted for their entire lives, especially if they're three, four generations deep in voting for this political party fine how's this you need to change your political party's platform by voting in people and only voting for people in your political party that believes in your second amendment right mm-hmm. and if, if they don't replace them there's democrats that are gun owners there are democrats that are pro 2a but once you get up to that position as a representative and you want to keep that job you have to have constituents that have your back And that's why it's important, regardless of your political party, that you contact your legislators and let them know you have their back if they're Mm pro-2A. 
And that's what helps. And, and people kind of sort of get that and others don't. And it's like, yeah, we're not going to, you're not going to win this with one political party. You need to get all political parties to realize this is political suicide. Being pro gun control would be political suicide. Yeah. Well, it's a civil right. And, you know, you know, support the second amendment. And hopefully if they get education during an adversity event, then if they're talking to somebody else and they talk about that, you know, nasty AR, they talk about, you know, you know, the nine millimeter, the blow out your lung, all these kind of political things that we've heard, they can go along and say, well, actually, you know, I learned blah, 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 and we'll correct them a little bit. And maybe, maybe it'll, it'll change, you know, like you said, the platform of their uh, party. That's- well, it helps when you give people talking points, like, like we have a conversation. And you say about that nine millimeter blowing out your lung and you actually discuss it. Like you really want to talk about this? Cause we can talk about ballistics. I can actually, you know, we, we can go online and I can pull up a series of videos from different people and you can show the effects of nine millimeter. What? Yeah. It's no secret. It's like, no, there's people that test this ammo for entertainment purposes on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, what? Yeah. Here. Boom. No lungs get blown out with this. And, and and all of a sudden they have proof that they can show somebody if someone else is interested. And then you also find out who's dis- disingenuous about their concern because they don't want to know. And it's like, okay, so you don't really want to know. You just want to keep repeating the thing you heard. Then you're not interested in a real conversation, as you say. And that catches a bunch of them short. I've been cursed out over that one. It's great. it's like no you don't want a real conversation because i'm giving you facts and i'm showing you proof and you're looking at it and you still want to believe a politician and Mm -hmm. then you gotta ask yourself if all the movie tropes all the books you read everything tells you not to trust politicians why do you trust them on this one thing when i showed you they're not telling the truth (laughs) i'm like i'm not trying to get you to even change your mind but i'm asking you these questions so you can ask yourself why do you believe in this circumstance Mm-hmm. I'm like the second amendment is there because the people that founded our government didn't trust government. Why do you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that messes a lot of money. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good point, Tony. Hey, Tony, we've been asking all our guests this uh, season. Can you recommend an annual event that you think instructors should uh, check out and maybe go to? All right. So I was thinking about it because you had asked me that. And, and, and a little bit of show prep. And uh, you said, what in Jersey? I was thinking about it. I'm not aware of something just for instructors in New Jersey. Or any, any event. But, you know, probably yeah, oh, oh, I got, I got legal event, firearm, what, things like that. Around what, what I want to, what I want to hit you up with though, as if I am instructor is take instruction, continue your education in firearms instructor, or just take classes. Uh, that helps because you know the new techniques, what's being said, the new lingo, uh, the new gear. You'll see that. Now, what I go to every year is Kevin Dixie's uh, Train and Learn event, which is held on Memorial Day weekend outside of St. Louis. So no other choice. Firearms training is where you can pick up the tickets. It's great. It's uh, three days of training with multiple instructors in multiple disciplines. And what they do is um, 
It's more like a workshop and networking. And also they have a bunch of creators there uh, who like YouTubers, podcasters, that kind of thing. So as a professional development, it's really good. Uh, the last one I went to was 2021. They had uh, Roy Hill from uh, uh, Brownells. He was there. Uh, he was given a discussion on, on different aspects of it. Uh, we had Mike Bauer. He was from USCCA talking about how to set up business. Uh, we had Jara Hutchins, who's, uh, clearing the chamber on, uh, on social media, but she's also a firearms instructor, uh, business owner. Uh, she runs multiple things and she was talking about how to make money as an instructor and in different programs and things you can run. Uh, I myself was talking about two way advocacy, uh, when I ran my class. And, uh, then we had guys on the range. We had Rob Pincus out there, uh, from, uh, personal defense network. He was running the class. We had, uh, Kevin Scott, uh, excuse me, Ken Scott from Perfectus Group, who's also with Smith and Wesson. Uh, he was running the class. We had like four different classes. We had night shoots. We had, uh, uh, bourbon tasting and cigar smoking at the end of the night around a giant bonfire. So it's really a get together for three days. Um, trainers, training, trainers. Um, really good classes, really different aspects. And then uh, a bunch of uh, people like uh, Facts on Firearms and other groups brought their firearms out for you to check it out. And you got to actually meet these company reps. So as a firearms trainer, when it comes to getting discounts uh, for buying firearms, not only for your classes, but for yourself, now you have a contact in the industry and they bring industry personnel together. So that really helps out a lot. Uh, especially with getting swag, cleaning kits, all kinds of things. So train and learn event uh, with uh, no other choice firearms training at Kevin Dixie is something I recommend to people get in on it. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's a couple hundred dollars, few hundred dollars, but it's a weekend. It's like three days. Yeah. I'm working to get Kevin on the podcast also to talk, talk about that event. So that'll, that'll be a great lead in. Uh, prep for it with your uh, endorsement of his event so that would be uh, really great well tony yeah. where can where can people find more about tony simon and uh second is for everyone in your diversity event and uh, all the other things that you're involved in all right we can find out uh second is for everyone you can go to diversity shoot.com diversity shoot.com is one way the website itself needs to be updated i apologize for that but i'm working with someone so we can launch 2023 and get that going um, but also my social media, which is Simon Says Train on Instagram, Simon Says Train on uh, Facebook. The second is for everyone on Facebook and second for everyone on Twitter. And of course, we have the uh, 2A4E podcast or second is for everyone podcast. And that's on most of your podcast apps. You can definitely find me on Spotify. And um, I have a Patreon that you can donate or even you can donate to help us with this mission on uh, PayPal. So all of it helps because we have to provide ammo. Uh, we have to provide swag. Uh, we have to get to the events. I have to pay for pizza at the events. So any funding that you can do helps with our grassroots uh, campaign. Okay, great. And I will include all that in the show notes. So if anybody wants to catch up and see what Tony's doing or donate his way, you will have the links in the show notes. So that's great. Well, Tony, appreciate your time uh, this evening. Great uh, sharing your perspective of uh, training New Jersey and the great work you've been doing with the diversity shoot. So th thanks again for your time. 
All right. I appreciate it, man. And uh, thanks for everybody out there. Remember, uh, join your local 2A groups because that's where the fight is on the local level. That's a wrap for this episode. I hope you got some good laughs from Tony and also uh, realize what Tony's facing in New Jersey there. Uh, Share it with your other instructor friends. Good to get that kind of information out there. Do you have a topic you'd like me to talk about or know somebody I should interview? Have a topic that you would like to talk to me about. If you qualify or thinking about any three of those, email me your suggestions at ftp at concealedcarry.com. You can also leave us comments on our Facebook page and our website. And remember, our website, you can go along and search on previous podcasts. Our website is firetrainerpodcast.com. I also want to ask you to leave us a review on Google Play and iTunes. Click that five-star button and let other people know why you think we're such a great podcast to listen to. Also ask you to go along and visit our sponsors, especially Firearm Trainers Association at FTA Protect, and check out their instructor insurance. Remember, good instructors get training, great instructors get insurance, and use promo code FTP10 for 10% off. We bring this podcast support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. And since this is the last podcast of 2022 stay safe everyone and happy new year concealed carry inc and concealed strives to share helpful information and education about gun related topics training tips and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners the information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel